Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and today we're going to talk about the Christian and politics. Uh, What this really is, though, is it's a small foray into a much bigger and complex topic that's going to be related to uh, the the current Christ or social justice, uh, because social justice, as we all know, is the burning issue of the day in America. Um, not because is that a the, pun right there? Is that a pun intended? No. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm full of puns that I never intend. Well, yeah. You've been on the dad joke roll lately, so. Well, no, it was Father's Day, so I thought I would dump some stupid dad jokes. Anyhow, um, I would actually argue though it's not really the burning issue, uh, but because it's been decided, it will be the key issue by those who are in who are the manipulators, if you will, uh, in our society. Um, of what we're going to hear, what we'll see via the various outlets of news and information, it's become that. So everyone's talking about it, but I don't think most people know why we're all talking about it. Um, But make no mistake about it, this is a pure, unadulterated manipulation that's going on. And when you get yourself caught up in it, you can lose all perspective and you find yourself down a road you never actually intended to go. Um, But there you are. And it's often unclear how to retreat from maybe a position that you spoke a little more stridently than maybe you should have. And so if you haven't noticed, Matt and I have been uh, rather silent on the whole issue, and it really has been intentional. Um, It's not that we're ignorant. It's just we've been silent. Uh, We have been collecting many articles, videos, messages saved. Uh, that we're going through on the topic of social justice. We have books that we've read. We've talked quite a bit about it privately among ourselves. But with the exception of one podcast on racism and riots and a few pointed comments that we've kind of tossed in on the side on other podcasts, we've really shown a reluctance to get our voices out there to be heard. Instead, what we tried to do is point you to some good sources that speak well on the subject. And to be honest, it did our hearts good to see that several of our listeners began to then, shortly after that, uh, share quotes from these guys, like Samuel Say, and uh, I always forget the guy's name, Daryl Harrison. Harrison, yeah. Yeah. Just Thinking Podcast. Yeah, those are just such great, great uh, resources that you'll find what you need just going there in many ways. Um, Part of it's because of our reluctance is it. Whether you knew it or not, you can't reason with a mob. And right now, that's all there is, really. A, a mob of little children, I would say, who are walking in adult bodies. And all they're doing is they're running around cities having a tantrum. And they're being cheered and lionized for, uh, for it by the elite who want to create this radical paradigm shift to occur through revolution. But they don't want to get their own hands dirty in the process. So they're just cheering these people along and providing them the ability to do it. Yeah. And then add to that, that, I mean, we truly live in a time right now where if you're unhappy and, you know, you perceive that somehow someone said something slightly off of target, you can just, what everyone's calling them now, you can just cancel, right? Which is shocking. Yeah. Um, you, You know, you can shut down their business. You can destroy their vehicles. You can 
crowd shame them in every way possible, uh, shut down their social media accounts, literally beat them, get them fired from their jobs. Uh, in fact, I just saw one <clears throat> on a Facebook thread where someone posted something and then a guy disagreed with them and then he's being accused of all kinds of racism and bigotry and stuff. And so what the person did is he took screenshots of these guys, of this guy's response, who he doesn't know, they're just debating on a mutual friend's thread, went to his Facebook account, found out where he worked, and then emailed those screenshots to his work with an effort to get him fired. Yeah. Well, you know, the, you know, the mother of one of the police officers involved in a shooting in Atlanta, she was fired, fired. from her job. She and stepmother. Yeah. Just sorry. We don't, we, we don't uh, approve of these. She's like, what? what did she do? Yeah. <laughs> when did this become a reality? Yeah. So, I mean, it really doesn't matter what's done. People now can just quote, cancel you. Um, so how do we speak wisdom into that reality? And we're, we're only speaking about the general issue of social justice at this, po this point. But, you know, what about the reality we see unfolding before us within the visible church in America? And we're intentional in using that word visible church. Yeah. Um, because I'm not convinced yeah. that we're looking at the real church in many cases. Right, right. So there is, there is a new orthodoxy that is emerging. And if you can't sign on to that, then you're being canceled as well. Um, you know, your, your salvation's called into question. Sermons and blog posts uh, and videos are abounding, telling us how we need to think one way or another because this is now the Christian way. Um, we're, we're pretty convinced that if the church can't figure out something as simple like believer's <laughs> baptism, um, then we would say it's doubtful that we're actually going to create a unified understanding of, of human equality and, quote, social justice. And and yeah, we really think that the issue of baptism is simple as that. Yeah. But uh, we can't get that one straight. Yeah. And we'll deal with baptism. Sure. But it's not that hard. It's just made hard. But yeah, the point you make is good. If we can't even agree on something as simple as baptism that's clearly talked about in the New Testament, how are we ever going to get our heads around something that's complex and ever-evolving? Right. Yeah. So So when you now see very prominent pastors saying that you need to get on board with their wokeness or literally leave their church. I mean, that those kinds of statements cause our eyebrows to raise a, a little bit, um, actually I, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if, if the idea of that social justice is a gospel issue, that I mean, you keep hearing that over and over and over again, and there's been no good defense of that. There's been no clarity on that. Um, and you, you have a quote here from Thabiti that you found. Um, you want to read that one? I'm going to try to make it make sense. But yeah, when I saw it, I just was heartbroken. Now, it's part of a larger thread. And so in our show notes, we'll provide you a link to the thread so you can see the whole context. He's trying to make a bigger point. But in there, he said this, solidarity with us as quote unquote black people. Uh, oh, no, he said, what, what is needed, what he says is needed right now is, one, solidarity with us, but not just us, but as black people. Then he says, two, you're emphasizing solidarity with black people to such an extent that, you, that we're in turn freed to accept and emphasize solidarity in Christ. But check out what he says next. Until that happens, we'll have to choose black solidarity before Christian 
to live. That's that's a, an insane statement. Yeah, it's like I will I will identify with my race as a black man before I'll identify with Christian. Bull. And then and then and uh, that to live and and again the idea is that we're killing black whites are killing black men right and left is like you can throw stats all day long but it's it's sticking out it's throwing it on a Teflon wall because the reality is that the black man is not being killed right and left right that way and we'll deal with that when we get into yeah, it but yeah. it's like it it just keeps pushing that narrative but that's a shocking statement by a a well known Christian. We will have to choose black solidarity before Christian to live, that I'm going to find my identity first there. And until you can embrace me first as a black man, rather than just as a Christian brother, um, we're not going to have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, again, solidarity with the black, with black people to such an extent that we're then in turn now freed to accept emphasizing solidarity in Christ. So the prerequisite to understanding our oneness in Christ is, you have to recognize or su- solidarity meaning support me yeah. in every sense of that in, in my black identity that's a bizarre statement um in the cities that we live and minister in it is a tinderbox of simmering anger and all the while we have pulpits who are either silent or help encourage people to think in a manner inconsistent with the bible yet all the while claiming it's biblical now what you mean there is you're talking about our cities Kenosha, yes. Chicago. I mean, Milwaukee. we're in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee metro area, and and that's what we're seeing is that the pulpits are either silent or they're actually helping promulgate this kind of thinking. Yep. And how many killed in Chicago this weekend? Hundred and four. Oh, no shot. Oh yeah, Only four, shot. And then fourteen killed. Yeah, twelve or fourteen, something like that. Uh, they're they're getting shot right and left. People are just. It's horrible up in Milwaukee. Same garbage is going on but you're not not hearing anything well but what you do have is this cops are being a lot slower to show up because if they actually have to engage if you're a cop and you have to engage an individual um it's very clear from alana that doesn't matter (laughs) um if you feel threatened or you are actively threatened you have no recourse because you will immediately be brought up on murder charges that's not happening they all want to go home so it's like you want to kill each other we'll write reports all day long um, is it's, it's, it's a shocking thing. And, and then the same people who say defund police then turn around and say, Hey, where are the police? It's like, you don't want them. Right. You, you, you get one or the other. And so what is it? Chops or Chaz, they've created up their own paramilitary police force. <laughs> and it's just bad. It's like, yet they have no accountability, no laws, nothing. It's just a bunch of idiots carrying yeah, assault rifles. I still think it's so funny though that um, <laughs> somebody tweeted out. You know, they they set up all the borders. Um, yep, checking IDs with, and checking IDs. And it's like so you 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 become autonomous. You become your own sovereign state. And the first thing you do is set up borders and check IDs and establish a police presence carrying assault rifles and you expel unwanted people yep and now did you see they actually have a designated black only areas that they enforce yeah and you're like huh yeah and someone was shot there and no more than one there there was two different shootings i I think three people one was killed well and then it was on video someone was live streaming it from twitter or something and they got the guy's phone and 
trying to say turn off that phone and then they realize it was still streaming well it's all out there now because but but they still erased it yeah yeah uh, it's it's crazy anyhow even uh, now we're even hearing conversations about this impending civil war within the nation so that's actually getting uttered more and more Questions are being asked if it's biblical for the Christian to participate in such war. I literally got two people who asked me that question last week. Um, And so we have brothers in Christ who are police officers who wonder if they can even continue going to the church that they're going to. Uh, They once were viewed as people who were worthy of respect. Now they're the problem with racial and social injustice. Add to this the fact of a major election coming up and the so-called pandemic that's crippling our economy and allowing state and local governments to grab even more power. And you have what we affectionately call 2020. Yeah. Welcome. Yep. <laughs> um, in other words, it, yeah. In the, it, all that to say is there's so many ways that you can deal with social justice. And that is part of the challenge. We were just talking about how it's just a a mess. Where do you begin? Where do you start? Um, there's just so many issues and it's all variegated. And so we're just trying to back into what we're just going to call this hot mess in a way that can perhaps help our church members and perhaps those who are listening as well. Um, and so th- this episode here is only going to serve as just a brief introduction to how Christians and politics mix together. Um, but you know, you may not be hearing anything necessarily new, but it's where we must begin. And so we hope it will at least get us all thinking a little bit more and then talking a little bit less as we consider this important issue of Christian politics. All right. So first thing that we would say is that there are a few things that really affect us more than the government. Um, It's a reality. Unfortunately, we don't usually realize that until we try to do something new. So you want to build a, a fence, you want to dig a pond, you want to sell a product, you want to create a medicine, you want to shoot a gun, you want to make some food, you find out there's rules. In fact, one of my favorite stories is out of Montana, which is a huge ranching state and very few people. And uh, a, a major rancher, all he did was there was a place where there was a natural runoff of rainwater. So he created up these little dams. They're not, they're not a true dam. It's not like it's preventing the water, but it creates a pool of water. And so now it allows the cattle to have an easy access to water so they can drink, but it, it eventually dries up until the next rainstorm or it, and any excess flows over. It's only like a foot high, two feet high. Well, the federal government now, then mandates that as a water uh, re, uh, I, waterway. And then it comes under all of these rules and mandates because it's now an official waterway. It's man-made and it's there for only maybe a week or two, but it's now a waterway. And now all of these rules come then to bear. On his property. On his property that he did. And he, he it's like, it's just, a, we've been doing this for, yeah. <laughs> and, and nope. You can't do it. You can't do it. And now you got all these people coming in. They're informing him he's in violation. He was being fined $10,000 a day by the government. All he wanted to do was feed his uh, water his cattle. That's it. Nothing more. And something he's always done. But now the government has decided, no, you can't do that without our intervention. It's crazy. So when you think about the upcoming election for president or your governor or a senator or a congressman, you should be asking yourself certain questions. What's your position on abortion? How about the war on the, of 
in Afghanistan, taxation, healthcare, economy, freedom of education, freedom of religion, Supreme Court. These are just some key ones that have major, major consequences in your life. Uh, you might include police powers, local government powers to that list as well. But our point is simple. Politics is not something that we can be casual about as it intrudes into every part of our life. So with this in mind, what we want to do is just give a few points related to government and politics to think about and then develop it a bit, uh, including some thoughts on war. And so hopefully by that time, we'll be able to intelligently weigh in a bit more on the social justice uh, that's before all of us. Yeah. Uh, our second point would be, how did government come about? Um, well, from a biblical perspective, government is not the result of man or man's ideas or work. Um, in the first instance, government came about from God. We know this from Romans 13.1. Paul says, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. And the question you should ask is why? Well, he gives two reasons. Four, there is no authority, and that's that key word no is very important. Um, there's no exceptions there. There's no authority except from God, and those, secondly, which exist have been established by God. Now, we did in another podcast the issue of indicative and imperative. Here, it's imperative indicative. He gives the command, be in subjection to the governing authorities, and then he gives two imperative, uh, indicatives, facts, why, and you just gave them. They don't, there's no authority that's except that which comes from God, and also they all exist because God established them. Right. Um, in fact, the first sense of an emerging government or emerging governments is found in Genesis chapter 9. Uh, this is pre-Mosaic law. And after the, the flood, remember, God gave a series of laws to Noah. And so in chapter 9 and verse 6 of Genesis, it says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God, he has made man. And so it's here that you begin to see justice starting to play out and that there, there was actually a role that society now is to play um, in punishing those wrongdoers. It's if you shed man's blood, well, now by man, your blood shall be shed. Which means you need people that has, have to determine that you wrongly shed the blood. Right. Because your blood's going to get shed and that's not wrong. So there's a right shedding and a wrong shedding, mm -hmm. which again gets into this whole police power stuff. Right. Uh, uh, is uh, I won't go there. Um, not yet. I'll yeah, go there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also showing the harsh reality that sin exists, and and therefore there needs to be a structure in place that allows for issues of right and wrong to be resolved and executed. Um, and and we even talked about in I don't know if it was in a previous podcast or something we did on a Sunday morning, but just talked about then therefore the role of government. Um, and how it functions as that restraining entity. It's not primarily restorative. No. Um, which is why there's so much debate and confusion now on reforms and these kinds of things. But it's primarily restraining. It exists right. to threaten you if you transgress law. And when you have a weak government, you have a lack of restraint and the people go crazy. And I think we're watching that right mm -hmm. now. And it was not a podcast. It was our um, Sunday message that we gave a few weeks ago yeah. um, on that. When you see that, and I think it was MacArthur and something recent he did, he talks about where the government gives room, men will do it. So if, if the government allows you to do something unjust, man will do it. Why? Because the government restrains what's evil and wicked. So you give 
legislation to kill people, man will kill people. And you see it with abortion, right? right. But I mean, well, with the recent Supreme Court with transgenderism and, and homosexuality, the whole thing, it's as long as it's the moment the gates open it, then you would like, where did all this happen? Or where did this come from? Uh, three days ago, it was nothing. And now it's something was well, because yep. of the lack of restraint. Yeah. So this then continued to evolve so that by the time we get to Genesis 10, we see this man named Nimrod uh, come into view. And we have the first mention there of a kingdom, which is very interesting. Um, but it, it's a kingdom that led, of course, to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. Yeah, it was a kingdom in rebellion, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's also interesting that government doesn't end in eternity. Um, and this is something we miss too. A God remains king over all creation. Uh, this is, it, that's worth noting because we often think of government as, as the rule enforcer and the tool to deal with lawbreakers. But in the new heavens and earth, sin is no longer an issue. It's not a reality. And so to function just as a restraint of evil um, is not all that's there with the idea of, of law. Um, it, when you get into heaven, there's still a king, yeah. right? Um, there's still somebody ruling and establishing certain things. But there's no sin. Right. Yeah. So to summarize, we, we've learned that God has created government, uh, not man. Man has not done this. And we've learned that government doesn't always function in a righteous manner. They, they can and they do and will disobey God because, again, sin exists. Uh, and finally, that in the end, there will be a government, but not to hand out punishment for evildoers, but rather to exercise righteousness and goodness throughout the universe. All right. So with that, most, if not all of us, will never create a new government. That that we should acknowledge. We're, none of us are going to be nation makers. Um, most of us will actually have very little impact on major national policies or issues. So the question becomes, what can we do or what should we do? And that's probably better. Instead of just slamming the Facebook with new memes, you know, what is it that the Bible actually tells us we should or can do? And so we're going to give you ways, I think it's four ways for the Christian to respond to politics and government. And the first one is so simple and yet often not obeyed. Uh, it's pray for those who are in authority. Pray. If God has established all governing authorities, then we should pray to God. <laughs> so simple, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that's going to do it. And and until we get that through our thick skulls, we're going to err on one side of the ditch or the other. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. He says, first of all, then I urge that he's com commanding you there. I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Why? For kings, or, or for who, who does he refer to there, me? For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Note the so that, or maybe your translation has in order that uh, in verse two, because it gives us uh, the goal, if you will, of our prayer. And by doing that, it also gives us then the content of our prayers. So the, the so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That's the goal. That's why we're praying to God on behalf, uh, for our leaders. So if we have bad rulers, you don't like Trump? Okay, pray for him. Pray for him. Don't 
be what you are, <laughs> you know, pray for the man. Uh, we ask God to change their hearts so that we can leave or live a tranquil life. If you have been blessed with a good leader, then thank God for them and ask that they flourish so that we might flourish. If this is not rocket science, is it? It's really simple. Uh, and then in, in another passage is, is interesting in Ezra 6.10. It's talking about the priests, um, that you're to give the priests all that they need so that they may offer acceptable sacrifices to God, the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Well, what king? It's Darius. Uh, this was telling that, uh, this is actually very telling because we see the priests are expected to be praying for a foreign king there and that he and his family's lives go well. Now, one wonders how often this idea is carried forth into the American church where we're all now priests before the Lord. How often do we lift up our leaders, uh, even if we hate them or we're frightened by them? How often do we pray that their lives would go well, and and we won't, and then we wonder why God will not bless us with better leaders, and it's like, well, you don't pray for the ones you've got. Yeah. It's it's a simple activity. Yeah, and it, but it's often forgotten. Very much right? so. And, and so we have access to God through Christ. It's such a, a unique thing, but we don't think, I remember one time I was sitting, when I used to work at the nonprofit, and I was sitting in my window, and... I had all these people just constantly walking by. That was one-way glass, so too, right? It was, yeah, it was awesome. So it was like you're in a zoo. <laughs> yeah. And I was just seeing the mass of humanity that would just always walk by, and I thought about how many of them were Christians. And my guess, my suspicion is not many, if any. And I thought about— Well, them smoking crack pipes were— <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tucking the needles in the bush out in front of my window. That was an indication. Yeah. Um, but I thought about there's— there, I can mediate for them because I have that priestly role, if you will, yeah. um, that they don't get to do. God doesn't hear their voice because they're not believers, but I can pray for them and I can function in that way. And so we think about that in terms of our government and presidents and things like that too. Um, Trump can't pray for himself. He's not a believer, right? I, I don't uh, think he is. <laughs> so, but we can. We can pray on his behalf because we have that access through Christ. Uh, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Um, that is an amazing statement if you just let your mind dwell on that. And yet how many Christians overtly express their hatred for Trump that they just they won't even pray for him? Uh, rather, they're just going to simply grumble against him and dishonor him through their social media, Right. And, and that, despite 1 Peter 2.17, which says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I mean, that's yeah. an overt, explicit command that we have. Uh, how many Christians were refusing to do that when Obama was in office? Yep. Because all they did was just hate the man. I sent many a, many a message or actually privately spoke to people in our church on when I would see some of the posts they'd put on Facebook. Uh, when Obama was in the office, I'm like, you can't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You're, you, you, that's not right. That's not fitting for you. Um, and some of them just looked at me like I was a Martian or something. Um, you just you realize that there is this incredible disconnect between life and practice as a Christian. So that's your first one. The second thing that uh, the Bible would tell us with regard to the politics and whatnot is to submit 
to governing authorities. So first we pray, but second, we submit to our governing authorities. Again, the the Romans 13 uh, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. We are going to beat to death that sucker on this whole um, social justice thing. But First Peter, again, uh, you just quote it, but I'll quote it with a few extra verses. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. These are commands. Uh, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. There you get a sense of what the government's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to restrain evil and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. How do you silence people who don't know what a Christian is? By being a man or woman in submission to your governing authorities. That's simple. When you are the model citizen, you're not out there marching, screaming, defund the police, and everything else that you might be known for, but you are known as a man or woman in submission to your governing authorities. You end up silencing your enemies. Uh, so when times are easy, that that's very easy, when we agree with our government. But when times get hard, we find this becomes much more of a burden or an area of struggle. Uh, so would there ever be a time that we don't submit? Yeah. Well, for many, that that's not an easy question. Um, and, you know, we would agree with, with that sentiment in a very unique situation. Um, so, I mean consider Nazi Germany, right? Yeah. Um, men like Bonhoeffer became part of a group seeking to assassinate Hitler, actually. Uh, but why? Well, because he believed Hitler to be evil. Um, and just on that alone, probably wouldn't be sufficient reason. But he did believe Hitler to be a usurper of the true government there, right. um, and therefore destructive to both Germany and, of course, the gospel. But he also understood the risks. Yes. He, 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 once he made that decision, that was a hard one for him. And right, for good reasons, he was killed for it. But he accepted the fact that this can come at the cost of my life, which it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if someone were to ask us if they should rebel against a government, we'd be very hesitant, very, very hesitant to help them or encourage them in that. Um, But there are situations, and we know this from Scripture, where we must resist. Uh, Acts 5.29, for instance, but Peter, this is the classic one, and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Now, most certainly, if if we're prevented from doing what Jesus commands us, then we have to disobey that. Um, that would be a righteous disobedience. But we must accept, as you were saying, the consequences. Perfect examples of that would be like in the book of Daniel, um, where Daniel, you know, he's thrown into the lion's den, um, you know, not eating the food. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when they're thrown into the furnace, um, that one, of course, being key because the government mandated them to worship something other than Yahweh. Right. So um, they're like, we're not going to bow our knees to that. Sorry. Right. But they accepted it. They they refused to. They didn't lead an insurrection. That would have gone over poorly right. anyhow. <laughs> but they didn't. They. I mean, I always liked it that Daniel didn't even hide when he was praying to Yahweh. Yeah. He, he kept the windows open. Right. <laughs> and he's like, hey, guys, this is me. You like it, you don't like it, whatever. I'm going to pray to my Lord, um, and it is what it is. Um, so there are, we would also say, situations where we, now this is a key word, where we may 
resist. Uh, so an example that you might see is Rahab uh, in Joshua 2. Uh, she hid the spies, the men. Uh, he lied to keep, uh, she lied to keep them alive. She let them escape, knowing full well that they were literally going to go in and destroy her city. Uh, she knew of Yahweh, though, and she believed that Israel would conquer her city. Uh, she knew that they served the true God and asked that they show her and her family mercy, and they did. Um, and so here we have a person who actually rebels against her own nation because she believes that another nation is actually right and just. They were with the one true God. And, yeah, it was motivated by a fear of Yahweh. Yeah. That's why she... Yeah, it wasn't just, I I can do this and leverage myself now into a position of power, right. um, which is what you're seeing in the manipulation of today. Um, another example, perhaps, would be this, where the government such as ours, which is defined by a clear document, the Constitution, uh, but it chooses no longer to follow it, or it literally violates it. There might be a point there where... I want to be very cautious how we say it, but where we may say as a people, the people rise up as a nation and say, no, um, the Constitution forbids that, and you are, you are ignoring the Constitution, um, and, and we, will, we will defend the Constitution because that is what we follow. Ultimately, we follow the Constitution and what it says not just because you're in power. Right. Um, so that's something. Yeah. Uh, also, we'd say seek to be an influence. So that's our third one, right? Yeah. Um, Ecclesiastes 8, 2 through 6, uh, Solomon writing says, I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight or word, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. So here we have Solomon telling the rulers in Israel that they need to obey the king. Why? Well, because they've made an oath before God. Uh, and then in verses 3 and 4, you have a lot of wisdom there. Um, first, <laughs> he says, don't get mad and just leave his presence. I'm done. Yeah, I'm out of here. Um if you do that, then then you'll never have any more opportunity to influence him. Um, second, well, and then also on top of that, you don't want to do that because he's the one who has the power, right. not you. So it can go really, really bad for you if you're hasty in those kinds of decisions. Second, don't blindly agree with him and follow him wherever he goes either. Um, so, so you can counsel um, or vote against it, but then if it's ignored, if it's evil, now you don't have to participate in it. Um, right. And then lastly, uh, remember that if you, if you don't have authority over a person, you can demand an accounting. Um, you have to leave that. You actually, you, you can't, can't demand an accounting. Yeah. I'm sorry. You have to leave that to God. Um, that was my type. I'm that's sorry. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you don't, you don't have the authority ultimately. And so you, at some point you have to let that go. You don't sit in that place to do those kinds of things. I, I've, over the years, given that a lot with employer-employee relationships where somebody's coming in, they're really angry with what their boss is doing. I'm like, has he asked you for his your opinion? No. Have you gone humbly to him and said, hey, I'd like to 
I'd like to talk to you. I've just got some concerns. I want to throw them out there. Well, I tried to tell them, did you do it with a humble heart, a submissive heart? Well, I was a little angry. It's like, okay, did he listen to you? No. Okay, then you're just going to have to be quiet and deal with the guy. You know, if you don't have the position of authority where you can bring about change, you can only function as a counselor, uh, or you can exercise in our country vote. a vote, right? But but ultimately, whoever comes into the office is your president. All these idiots who said Obama's not my president or Trump isn't my president, they're just idiots. It's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> and whether you like it or not, you live in this nation and he is the president of the nation. So um, what are some things we could do, though, to influence our world? Yeah, well, Christians can have a great influence in our world. Um, so one is you can run, for instance, for school board, right? Um, you can volunteer for various local events. You can financially support candidates that are good and wise. Uh, you can call or write to your officials. Th these are all avenues in which we've been given to have influence. And they're not hard to do. No. And don't, don't even require a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, well, and then sometimes because the issues seem so big that we're, we just think our voice is just going to get lost. But still, go pursue those avenues. But if you don't pursue those, then you can't really complain about it either because you're not taking advantage of the opportunities you have. Yeah. Um, and then finally, a very short point. We would say to everyone, don't put your hope in politics. Um, you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that we have a serve a very different Lord and we have a different kingdom. And we're not to live in this world like a person who is a citizen of, uh, of the nation. Rather, we're to live as citizens of another country. Um, we, we belong to heaven. And so what does that look like? It looks so boring. Um, and yet it's God's means. What do we do in the, our society? We preach the gospel. Uh, we live out the consequences of the gospel in our life. And then we, in turn, love the people as God loved us while we were yet sinners. If, if many of the Christians would get off Facebook and Instagram and stop their marching and all of the other junk that they do and just start actively within their communities doing those things while they're praying <laughs> for their leaders, while they're seeking to be an influence, some really cool things could happen. But we're better known for our stridency. So these are just some of our very beginning thoughts. Again, probably nothing unknown here to you, uh, but our plan is to then develop this in future episodes, Lord willing. Um, and so until then, we'd say make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on politics and the Christian. And as always, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on social media and tell a friend.